0: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. All right. All right. Nice. I think we, we got it. Okay. Let's do this thing. Uh, welcome everybody to the latest episode of that's what I'm, you know what? I do this every time and I honestly don't know the name of my own podcast. <laughs> I think it's, it's okay. either that's what I'm saying or that's what I'm talking about. Today's guest is uh, Sarah Moore, who is the COO of Encoda. Uh, it's a home care software solutions company um, that I have done work work for for a number of years, uh, doing marketing and customer success and things like that. And so she and I have been colleagues for a number of years. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah Moore.
1: Thank you, Jed. Thanks for having me here.
0: So uh, my understanding is that you have actually did a, a podcast of your own today. How did that one go?
1: I did. I just actually got off another podcast where I was able to speak with Um, a community member that I'm working with, and she was nominated the um, Caregiver of the Month. So I think I originally described it as a delightful conversation, and it was really fun to be a part of that.
0: Well, hopefully this will be just as delightful. So for folks who aren't necessarily familiar uh, with what home care is or how it works, um, I did bring it up, uh, I did start with that question in particular, because it does kind of is the uh, brings together the two topics that we talk about often, which is community, um, and then obviously working at a software company. So for those folks who aren't familiar with what home care is, can you share a little bit about um, how you would describe home care, what a caregiver does, and why it's important to uh, celebrate the work that uh, caregivers do and why they deserve an award?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we really consider uh, caregivers like heroes because, you know, they're doing work that we we need to happen and that it's really hard to actually provide the services Um, so they go into homes of individuals who need care Um, typically these are clients that are either uh, private pay or medicaid something along those lines they provide services such as cooking, um, cleaning, they take care of some uh, personal needs, bathing, um, just a whole wide range of activities that these individuals do. And, you know, it's, it's especially in this time with COVID, um, when we're recording this, that these caregivers are going in and continuing their, their day. They have to make sure that they're safe. They're keeping their clients safe. When they leave for home, they're keeping their family safe. I mean, the the work that these people do just to take care of our loved ones is um, not only necessary, it's something that's going to continue to grow as our population continues to age.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's why I always feel really strongly about working for the company is that it's, as you pointed out, it's a You know, the amount of caregivers available and the amount of folks who need care are kind of on two separate lines. And so the more that we can optimize that care, the better. But at the end of the day, regardless of the optimization, fundamentally you have to have a person doing a pretty difficult job that is very often thankless. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I'm always proud that we are play a small part in it, and I really uh, have a fondness for the folks I've met. You know, not just a, a, at Encoda, but you know, the the clients we work with and the caregivers I've talked to the few I have. Um, you know, they are really driven by something more than just the bottom line or you know, just to get from Monday to Tuesday or Tuesday to Wednesday. So, um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But just to sort of set the table a little bit, um, f- first of all, can you just share? Um, you know, people can kind of look up what COO stands for. You know, chief operating officer. Um, mm-hmm. But from your perspective, or in a nutshell, can you share a little bit, a little bit about what you do as a COO?
1: Yeah. Um, so I am responsible for our operations team. Um, which includes implementations and supports. Um, I work closely with customers. I help resolve some of the bigger issues, questions that come up both by team and um, customers. And then also, um, I one of the things I do is I help implement um, processes. You know, that, that's the biggest thing that I think I've really led to our company is putting processes in for support for project management, for, um, for employee reviews, uh, just, you know, general day-to-day business things. Plus I also get to utilize my uh, project management hat and work with some customers that we're doing some advanced development for.
0: And so when you were growing up, did you always dream of being a COO of a home care software company? I guess my, my more specific question is, Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your journey uh, from kind of where you started outside of the home care world? And then I secretly know a little bit of this, which is that you went from something outside of home care, started at a home care agency, and then, you know, grew uh, your experience and your title up to COO. So if you could just share a little bit about your journey to, to how you got here.
1: So I knew exactly from the time I was in high school that I was going to be a COO of a company of a home care community. No, I'm just joking. Um, I was definitely one of those high school students that I didn't know what I was going to do in college. I went to college. I, w- I tried to give myself, um, you know, I actually went to college to be a pre-pharmacy major and I just didn't like it. It didn't give me joy or passion. I could do it fine, but I just, I was like, nope, this is not going to, I'm not going to survive doing this. And, and so of course I dabbled in a couple other. Um, a couple other majors, but I was always creative. So I just decided that I was going to do something in art school. And in order for me to even apply to art school after I had done, you know, after I had did some gen ed classes, then I was going to need to at least get into the art program. And that was the, the easiest way, the fastest way to get me to where I wanted to be was actually through art history. Well, and in high school, I did not, like history at all is my least favorite subject probably because my history teacher at the time told my entire class that we were not going to amount to anything so of course that was not a favorite subject of mine <laughs> so Durable. you know the Sorry. the idea no it's it's just, it's kind of funny um it, the idea of art history was just so it wasn't anything I would have ever picked out but when I started my classes there I became in love with the subject um, so much that I didn't even pursue the uh, more creative side that I was planning on. So I finished my um, my bachelor's degree in art history, and it was great. I loved it. I spent some time in Washington, D.C., I, at um, a museum doing an internship and doing some schooling there. It was something that I allowed myself to kind of let go of something I thought I knew about myself and go with this more creative uh, approach and so after school um, I applied to I think every art gallery in Chicago until I did hear back from one and I worked for an art gallery for a few years and that's where I met my husband and we opened our own art gallery and that was something that really taught me about passion that you if you're passionate about something it doesn't matter if you have no money at all you're going to find a way to do it and so we opened our first gallery in this little studio apartment that I had Um, and in Chicago there is this history of apartment galleries and so not only could we be part of this this movement but we loved it we had openings um, every month and it was just something that we were really passionate and loved. So, um, so there I am in that world and we were in there for a few years and then we um, had our oldest child um, who is now 10 and, you know, it was about the end of her first year where it was really challenging like once I, I had her I'd lost my job. Um, And so I was trying to make ends meet on random jobs. My husband was working and we were working for our own art gallery which we cared a little bit more about making it a really great show, which we got many reviews but it doesn't always come with purchases (laughs) that way. So when you have more, um, we consider couch art, it's easier to make a living but the artists that we were showing, um, we were heavy in reviews lower in dollar amounts. So that led us to move out of
0: that. I didn't even drop, I was just, you're not alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, so then, you know, reality hits and we're trying to take care of ourselves plus our, our daughter who's approaching a year and more active. And I think we just had to come to terms that we're not able to f- cover everything that we were hoping to. So we downsized our gallery. Um, we were living in a, a work, uh, a live work waft then and we had a gallery build out and it was it was incredible we loved it um but then when we decided that we were going to make our exit out of chicago we still kept a gallery space just to kind of keep that piece alive and so that we didn't feel like we're completely giving up our dreams by just moving away and never thinking about it again Um, so during that time i was basically starting over in my career Um, we moved to springfield illinois which was not heavy in the art scene, so um, my previous experience wasn't really, um, wasn't really applicable. So I applied to a hospital system and worked in a clerical department, in a therapy department, outpatient physical therapy. And from there, I remember I was I was working there a couple of years, we had our second kid by then. And I just remember having this pivotal moment um, I guess I've, to, to kind of loop the, the gallery back, we kept the gallery in Chicago for another year and a half, two years, driving back and forth three hours to to make it work, you know, oh every weekend. Yeah, we were really dedicated until it was too much. And we just said, we have, like, we can't keep doing this. Now we have two children, you know. So that was a hard thing to let go of, but we were also exhausted. So I think at that point, we were a little more comfortable with uh, letting go but it was still it was still tough. So anyway, so I'm now working at this, um, this hospital system, still in this therapy department now for um, almost maybe two years. and I just had this, this thought I'm, I'm either gonna just keep doing this job forever, which I wasn't happy. I was bored most of the, t- the time or I want to make a pivotal change and and propel myself forward. So I, I can remember sitting at that desk that one day um, in this quiet facility. And and so I did. Um, I don't exactly remember the next exact steps that happened, but I was just trying to make a difference, get noticed. And eventually that led me to getting a promotion. That led me to a, a more prominent position within the hospital. That led me to be in my, my boss at that point, moved to work for a... Um, a home care agency, and they're acquiring other agencies. So she wanted me to to keep me on as her assistant and project manager. So I moved with her, and that's how I got into home care, and ultimately how I got into Encoda.
0: Like that's 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 kind of like the the things that are the you know the the plot points of of how you got where you got. But I guess the question is like now that you're here, what makes you stay in in home care and like Do you feel that there's different things driving you uh, now as opposed to then? Like fundamentally, my drive is always to connect with people. Like no matter what I do, I'm trying to connect with people. Like I don't know if it's innate or uh, you know I learned it or whatever, but that's anything that I do, whether it's podcast or video or whatever, is something that really uh, it's all about connection. So I'm just wondering, like, have your drivers changed in this? And like, you know, are you having as much fun? Or as much, uh, you get as much value out of the home care world as you did the art world? Is it different? Like, just share a little bit about the differences or the, or the similarities.
1: Yeah, you know, there there are differences. Um, I mean, one of the things I loved most about the art world was the connections, like you said. Um, it was getting to know different people, you know, what brought them there, just the stories. Um, then people who are looking for art, like what brought them into the door to look for the art? Like why are they writing about this show? There are so many connections that really connected me to the art world. But with with home care in my trajectory here is more about purpose and you know, I I really enjoy the strategy of it all. Uh, Meaning that when I decided that if I'm going to have purpose in that position to keep me moving into a place that I want to be, that I'm going to be engaged and happy with what I'm working on, then I needed to understand the strategy of what I wanted to do and also like what the business as a whole was going to do. And so once I got involved with both the purpose and strategy, then it really engaged me. And I love to, I think you mentioned this earlier, is kind of putting together puzzles. I love putting together, um, trying to figure out how pieces fit together, and so seeing the big picture of a company and then trying to make those um, make the movements work—you know—is is something that drives me. Um, home care, of course, is something that I'm passionate about because honestly, since I started working at the hospital, I do really care about um, healthcare and home care is a huge part of health care it is what we're going to be spending more and more dollars on so that we keep people out of hospitals like that there's so many purposes to home care Um, so for me understanding how my purpose and what sort of strategy that i can help build in this area is is really what engages me
0: gotcha yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you two stories. One story I haven't got, I, one story I don't think I've told anybody, I think I probably told one person this story. So this is kind of interesting. Well, the first story is just cracks me up is I'd been working at Encoda off and on in different um, capacities for a number of years. And so when you brought on, I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'll make sure that she knows, you know, that Sarah knows what she's doing. And then I'll make sure she feels welcome and trainer and so on and so forth about, you know, the systems and whatnot. And you know, within five seconds, it was like it was hilarious because you you know knew like six thousand times more than I did about the system because you were um smarter than me is <laughs> really what it was. Well, uh, and
1: I'd worked in it before, just to be fair.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean like yeah, but I you know, there's different kinds of intelligence. But I'll, I'll 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 say that like one is that your kind of intelligence is better suited for software than mine. And for sure you knew far more about the system than I did. So that's all it's just it's just funny that like <laughs> Uh, one is just a funny story. Cause like, I wasn't thinking like I was going to, you know, throw my weight around, but I, I figured there'd be something I could teach you. And that just was, that wasn't a thing that was true. Um, but the reason why I mentioned that story is not to say like, Oh, what a dummy I am, but to say that, like, I do think that part of it's like, I was talking about this, but like, I'm good at basketball for who, like to some degree, whatever I'm good at basketball I, as, as a sport that I play is part of it. Cause I, have an aptitude for it. And part of it, because I have an aptitude, I practice. So my point mm-hmm. is, is to say that I think that you were, you knew what you were doing because you had used and coded before in the past, but I don't think that's the reason. I think, personally, I think the reason is that you have that way about you where you want to figure things out and you have a, a mind to understand things and uh, that are more technical or uh, process-based or puzzle-based. And so, yeah, it was very clear from day one, I guess is my point. But the second story I was going to say was that so I, I had never, when I was in second grade, I, I before I went to second grade, I was uh, you know going to this kind of like, uh, I don't know, kind of alternative uh, school. And then I went to a public school and I'd never ridden a bus before. And I was in second grade. I'd never like, I'd never been to a public school. I had no idea what to think. So I so the bus takes us first day, my first day of school, first day of public school, first day on a bus. And I, I get off the bus and the bus driver looks at me and I'm like in second grade, mind you, and he goes, you look like a guy who knows where he's going. Why don't you lead everybody into the school and make sure they get there? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't have, like, it wasn't verbatim, but like, you know, mm-hmm. he, it, what I remember clearly was, you know, that you look like a guy who knows what he's doing. And I was like, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. So I, But the two things that I realized that I have in me is one is that I do like that idea that I'm like a, a leader in a certain way. Um, but it was, it may just be because a bus driver in second grade made me feel like I had to be one. And I was like, what actually ended up happening was I ended up going to my class, I found my class and the people who weren't in that class followed me in and like, wait a minute, this is <laughs> class. But it was just one of those things where I was like, I don't know whether I like have found leadership roles because I'm an innate leader or because I, um, I'm good at it or because people want me to be one, like, I don't know. I, they, I might've been just, been just been that bus driver. But I guess that's the thing that I would ask you is that, you know, from your perspective, like, you know, how do you see yourself? Because you are, first of all, I think in my opinion, you're definitely a good leader and definitely by definition, you are a leader. So I guess my question to you is, you know, from your perspective, uh, so, oh, we're getting are uh, we getting Slack from one of our, our good friends. Uh, our, our good friends we work with is, my, is, is uh, Slacking me. Um, but let me just finish my question, which is, uh, you know, did you ever, did you see yourself as a leader kind of like, again, when you're going through the art world or and uh, now that you, you know, kind of have this very fancy title, you know, how do you see yourself? Like what, how would you describe your leadership style? What it surprised you about, you know, the job that you've had so far and like, just what does it mean to you to be a leader? I guess is the question.
1: That's a great question. And, you know, I, maybe if I play on your, your basketball story, just a little bit is, Throughout my childhood, honestly, not by my choice, my brother was very much into baseball. In fact, that he went to play college baseball for Mississippi State. Um, and so my childhood was all about summer baseball. And I had the opportunity to either play myself one year or not, you know? And I think I was just so tired of watching my brother play that I thought, well, maybe I'll just do something, right? So my parents enrolled me into Corey League the, the and I played softball and I became like through, then I played softball for until my uh, senior year of high school and my position um, playing was a pitcher I became a pitcher and I wanted to do really well and so I practice and practice and practice and so then I got used to that kind of the pitcher is kind of a leader role right it's I had control of every pitch of the game. And so I had that that practice of kind of leading and, and making decisions and and trying to work as hard as I can for the for the rest of my team. And if I had to kind of look back, I'd say that was a really important piece to who I am today, so that I am comfortable making decisions even when maybe I don't know exactly what route we should go, but having enough pieces of the puzzle. I can help get us to where we need to be. Um, I do appreciate you saying that I am a leader because I do really, um, well, I do really want to be, of course. Um, but I look at other leaders I've had in my professional careers too. Those that were hard to work for and those that are easy and those that I learned the most from and how I want to be treated as an employee and how I want to treat those that I, I do manage. Um, so I guess those experiences that I've had um, is what kind of leads my, my leadership skills.
0: Gotcha. Someone comes up to you and says, you know, I'm, I'm a young person, you know, just graduated. I, I want to be a COO and whether it's that or something else, but just something bigger than they imagine. like, do you have any suggestions or advice on like how to make a leap from something that is known to something that is unknown?
1: Um, It's, it's going to seem very straightforward, but I guess the, the, the biggest thing that I guess worked for me is just, just doing it. Um, no, that's not fair. So, but what I mean by just doing it is, you know, push yourself. Don't give up. Reevaluate. Push yourself. Don't give up. Reevaluate, and just keep repeating it until you really catch on to something that you you do care about. You do want to um, excel in, and you're going to find ways that pushing yourself and not giving up is easier and easier. But keep re- evaluating, like, are you happy where you are? Are you moving the steps that you want? Um, and then just be honest with yourself.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's that's, you know, I wasn't really looking for a specific answer, but I think that's, you know, spot on. So thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of, you know, shift here and just, uh, there's something we talk about, you and I talk about a lot, um, again, for very particular reasons in that it's like a job related thing to talk about. But I think that it's also something that we kind of, you know, again have innate in us that we like the idea of community, of bringing people together, and uh, you know, to making sure that people feel welcome or that they're understood. And you know, the problem we've, we you and I have found with community is that it's such a broad term, even though it's like one of those things where you know it when you see it, um, and then it's hard to quantify. It's hard to explain. You know, uh, thankfully not to not to our team, but just in other places. Uh, you know, hard to explain, well, what's the intrinsic value of community and beyond that, what's the value of it to a business? So I guess my question to you is, you know, in any in any way you want to answer this, is like, how would you describe community? Why is it important to you? And how, why is it important to a business? Like, why mm-hmm. spend any time or money on it?
1: Ah Yes, those are great questions too. Okay. So what does community mean to me? Um, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last year, especially as we have been building a community and asking other people what community means to them. But for me, you know, community means a group of people with similar interests coming together to learn, grow and engage with one another. And it's a group of people really that everyone matters and your opinions matter. There's, And a real sense of community means like no judgment, like you're here to learn and grow. So why does that matter? Um, I think, you know, especially in this past year, what to me, especially, and I think many of us, what COVID has taught us is why community is important. Um, It's one thing to be lucky to have a family, a roof over your head, safe place to be. But without a community, like our engagement and growth opportunities are greatly limited. So if I take my personal experience, um, it's safe to say that my 10-year-old, 8-year-old, and 6-year-olds do not have the same interests as I do, nor my husband for that matter. Um, I can tell by our TV choices that we we vary. We have different interests, you know. Um, so for me, my communities are a... PMI organization, um, this wonderful mom group I have, and of course, our endeavor with a home care community. So those are important communities to me so that they're, um, and that like I'm passionate about those items, you know, and I want to engage with other people who are also passionate about those items. And for measuring it, quantifying what is, you know, how do you, what do you get out of community is the more people engage, then they start participating with one another, they give feedback. Um, in our case, we had, you know, honestly, I think the caregiver of the month award is the biggest um, achievement that we had so far As people are actively Um, nominating caregivers because they want to, they want to tell their stories, they want them to get recognized. And I wish we had more months in the year because we're getting fantastic nominations. So, um, you know, are people interacting? Are they getting something out of it? Are they feeling inspired to share? And it's not easy to start community. It's not easy to always engage in community. Um, But I think it's also what keeps us sane, you know, especially in these times. And you know, another thing too, is that I, I feel like during our normal day to day, sometimes we get into this routine of doing similar things and, and maybe the, some bring us joy and some others don't. And uh, I think it's a way to have a little escape from the norm too. For example, um, one of the, the pieces that we have in there is it's this delightful little segment that I've mentioned to you before. It's called tech talk. And I think it's just this great way that, you know, one of, it's our um, customer support director that she's she's putting together this article and it's just a fun article about saying like hey if you add a few uh Giphy's to your slack then it's going to bring you joy and it does you know every now and then you'll message me and i'll send you a giphy or she'll message me and she'll send me a giphy and they just like make you laugh and like those small things that you know especially that you get to do to to kind of enlighten other people about. Like, I think that's fun too. It's just that here's my interest. I'm going to give it to you and then people can enjoy it as well.
0: I also like the line, uh, it can send you a Giphy on Slack. Like if, if that's not an example of uh, kind of like, not insider language, but like it definitely is a, uh, <laughs> you know, yes. just one of those things that, like you have to know to know. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's just funny. So yeah, the thing I was going to mention was that just in general, um, I don't know that we went fully went into what a home care community was or is, uh, just so to give people context. Um, the second part to that, before I, I, I let you talk about it, is that um, what I thought was interesting was that how I really feel like it's a pretty strong case study for coming up with a, a, an idea, like, you know, and creating a, both an online and a felt community, uh, or, you know, an, an experienced community on the human level. Um, you know, from scratch, basically. So I guess that's the thing I would ask is that one, can you share a little bit about, about what a home care community is, uh, where you want to see it go and maybe share a little bit about how you were able to kind of build this online community from the ground up? So
1: a home care community, it's called homecarecommunity.com. And as you imagine, it's a community for, uh, for members of home care. And right now it's really geared towards admin, caregivers, um new project managers just it's places that you can go and get resources um, one of the the let's see we have resources we'll have our podcast there we have um, tech talk and conversations and to me the conversations piece is what I really want to continue to grow um, we're pushing some um, you know some aspects of it. We're trying to send out some motivational quotes and things that people may um, just find as helpful. I don't think those are really gonna be something that people engage in too much, but my goal is to have more and more users come to our site that want to engage conversations that we're not even thinking about. Conversations that matter to them that ultimately are gonna matter to other people in the home care industry. Um, Getting it started was, you know, We, I think we went back and forth quite a bit like the chicken and the egg, what do we need first? And with community, it was before, like when we started community, it was before the lockdowns of COVID and we were highly interested in live events, but then we needed a place for people to go to so that they can continue those conversations. Well, then we have COVID and our platform has became 100% online. Um, We are working on, you know, go to webinars and, and things like that, to have uh, webinars, to engage in some conversations. But ultimately, um, we're, we're just relying on people's engagements. And I think the caregiver of the month is the first way that we've really been seeing some movement in that aspect.
0: And so I think you're right. I think that there was there was a lot of back and forth about that. But to be honest, I, I felt like the back and forth was simply me like providing counterpoint. But you were pretty strongly knew what you wanted to start with. <laughs>
1: Yeah, was it, just trying. how I wanted to present it, though, was a struggle. So I, I definitely enjoyed those uh, early meetings that we have, like what do we want it to look like? And we were very thoughtful on how how the design was and how it was going to feel for especially the users of, um, of home care agencies. And it was fun to think through that. And then since then, we've had, um, you know, just more and more ideas. I'm excited about the the. Um, changes that we're actually going to be putting into this week, just a little bit better flow on our homepage, more clickable actions, and um, yeah, and again, just trying to lead it in conversations, which ultimately gives us our community's voice. And I think that's one of the the most important pieces.
0: Gotcha. I have, um, I I think I have like one or two more questions, but um, before I move move to those, do you have any things you want to bring up, or questions you want me to ask, or things you want to mention before we, we you know wrap things up?
1: No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm here for well, okay then. Here for the fun.
0: Yes, this has been great. Uh, you know, we've done a we've we've done a few few podcasts. You know, where where this is our first rodeo. You know, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and, You know, do you have one piece of advice or or a few thoughts on, um, or maybe even just something that surprised you about managing? You know, different folks on your team. You know, have you know came from different generations or different backgrounds or. You know, just simply have different, you know, they're, they're here, they're quote unquote here, they're, they're working with us for different reasons. And I guess, was there anything that surprised you in your role in the past few years as COO leading these, this kind of, you know, um, varied team or were there things that, or maybe it's just that, it, you know, the experience proved the theory that you had already, but was there like one or two, you know, lessons learned that you can share about, you know, what it means to, um kind of that governed, but lead fairly with folks who are, you know, have different needs and does, wants and, you know, perspectives and just things like that.
1: I think it's, um, that's a good way to put it about, you know, the different wants and, and expectations of me as, you know, their, their leader. Um, you know, I have been leading now different team members of multiple different generations and, for a while I was, you know, on the, the younger side of it, which, um, you know, for me, it just kind of kept pushing me to make sure that I am listening well and that I'm giving the right feedback and that they're feeling that I'm, I'm giving them the value that I want in return. Uh, I guess, I don't know if this necessarily surprised me. I don't know if I have too many surprises. Um, But one of the things I do enjoy is watching team members grow and just simply simple things that, you know, from being a little not cold, but just seeing even email um, evolutions of, of just like. Got it, thank you. We'll work on this. And to be like, oh, thank you for this this um, details. I am going to do X, Y, and Z. And thank you for doing this and this. And can I have this X, ex- this uh, example or that example to include with it? And just the growth of that is really exciting to see. Yeah. And I don't want to say it's great to be listened to, but whenever you see that it's not only are they doing this because they're getting better results, it's just we're working more together as a team. And for me, that's an exciting piece as a leader is the the teamwork.
0: So, uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Um, And uh, unless you have any other things you want to talk about or bring up, I just want to say thanks again for joining and to everybody listening. uh, See you next time.
1: Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. And...
1: Oh.